There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> but it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. Day all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds. You're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. You know, the sea of red is coming to Boulder and we're going we gonna to want to give it to each other. So I'm, I'm just ready for it. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. As always, my name is Derek Peterson. Sitting across from me is Greg Smith. Peeking into the podcast room <laughs> as I speak is Chris Gorman. I need to have him intro this podcast. I keep telling you this. We just need to have We him. just need to go ahead and do it. Yeah. I need to record it with him and have him be the, the main intro to it. Um, this week, I've got Brian Howell from um, Colorado to talk to us about the game. We're going to preview um, Nebraska's... Is it a feud? Is it a rivalry? I don't know. Is it is it just like a bloodbath at this point that we're... It's a blood feud. ...getting ready to uh, witness... Um, we'll talk to him. The Starks and the Lannisters. <laughs> preview. I get that reference now. Good. We'll preview uh, the Colorado game. And Blackshirt Jay Moore is uh, going to stop by the podcast to talk. Um, but first, Craig Smith. Nebraska has a kicking problem. <laughs> they, it they, has do. A, they, they have a walk-on kicker or a walk-on safety taking kicker reps in practice. They have their punter taking kicker reps in practice. Scott Frost uh, hates Dylan Jurgensen, apparently. Um, who pick a guy on the roster that you think would be a sneakily good kicker? A sneakily, a good... sneakily good kicker that's not currently a kicker on the roster. Wandale? Who do you think Wandale would be a good kicker? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're just going with that he can do everything. On the yeah, that's field? what I was kind of going with. I know he punted some, so Did he? maybe yeah. So maybe. Or maybe I should say he they had him line up back there so that they could run a fake. <laughs> and so maybe that's what happened. Maybe he can't actually punt. But maybe maybe Wondell, I'm going to go with the he can do everything. Carly Lloyd is available. That's all I'm saying. She is. I wanted her to sign with the Bears. Oh, really? That's <laughs> what I really want to happen. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I think that would be very cool. Yeah, I'd be down with that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do, do you think this is a potentially problematic um string of events for nebraska here like bear pickering started out a little shaky as a true freshman uh but then he he made he, 11 straight over yeah, the last steady. eight games yeah. he became steady they they got sort of the drew brown steadiness back to yep. that position after a couple games of it looking a little shaky and uh he missed the first game um but all indications at least to me were that he was the plan was for him to play uh this <clears throat> this weekend with something that they were just kind of babying, so to speak, so that they didn't make it worse. And then Dylan Jorgensen goes in there, and one of his six kickoffs goes for a touchback, and they're not happy with um, the depth that he's getting on his kickoffs, Mm -hmm. and he shanks the only field goal that he attempts. And it goes in the stat book as a block, which I don't really think it was a block. If it was, They got a fingernail on it if it was a block. Like, he pushed it. So it did not look good. So is is this like this game last year was five points? 
I think the spread is down to four for this one. Is this a problematic development for Nebraska? Yes, the short answer. Um, I it's funny because I did not think that at first. Like honestly, well, I guess it'd be for, for a couple of reasons. First, I thought that Barrett would be good to go because we were getting all indications that oh, okay, this would just be a kind of a one week thing. Um, I feel like who talked about it first? Was it? DeWitt that talked about it first on Tuesday that I mean, said Frost talked about it on Monday yeah so like and they were saying okay we expect him back I can't look at the exact wording that they said but I think that DeWitt basically said we, we expect him back or he will be good to go and then to have to go from that then you analyze the kicks from Jorgensen a little bit more it just didn't look as good as maybe I thought it was when I would like watching the game I didn't feel like he was really a liability um then you rewatch and you're like okay that really wasn't actually a block um those kickoffs and they you said it and you know Frost has basically said it that those kickoffs just didn't go as far as they wanted to and the one touchback remember that we're giving him credit for was the one that hit the pylon on the bounce and that was really lucky right so I can't on the other hand I don't want to say that it's not there's not a chance that he couldn't get better um he was a true freshman walk-on going out there in a situation that hey it's the first game out there like maybe he would get better you mentioned that Barry Pickering's first couple of games were rough out there as well um but whatever happened between that game and what they saw and what has been happening in practice this week led them to basically having open tryouts in practice for the kicker spot. That is not good for what they think about Dylan Jorgensen. I got some like, eligibility left. I, <laughs> you can go out there and kick this thing. That's fine. First player reporter in history. Um, I like it. So, yeah. So, I, it is concerning. Unless <laughs> this comes down to like a game-winning field goal from somebody – or you lose by a point because, you know, you missed a couple of PATs. Yeah, it's a big deal. Like, this could be a big deal depending on how close you think this game is going to be. Can I make an observation? Sure. We have Cam Taylor Britt saying things like they have a target on their head. We have Colorado media members basically encouraging Colorado fans to throw the new aluminum cups. I couldn't believe that. Yes, that was Nebraska that was a, fans in attendance. A very subtle encouragement. Yes. I don't think it was, I don't think subtle is the word you want to use. Okay, it was like not, maybe. I It was like nice. wink wink nudge nudge <laughs> except not really throw these at people. <laughs> that did happen. Uh, and we let off this podcast talking about kickers. Yeah? Yeah. We did. It it So my feeling about this, as the week has progressed, there's a lot more spiciness coming from Boulder than there is coming from Lincoln. I haven't, I, I haven't interpreted anything that Nebraska has said this week to be trash talk in any way towards Colorado. I think Nebraska is an angry football team, defense in particular, over what happened last year. I think Nebraska is angry about the fact that Colorado came to Memorial Stadium and ruined Scott Frost's debut. I think Nebraska's excuse me, defense, would have been angry if Colorado had been replaced by any other team in the country. And I think they would still be having these feelings uh, a year later. So I don't necessarily think that Nebraska is going out of its way to take shots at Colorado. Meanwhile, (laughs) Colorado is saying that Adrian Martinez is a weak passer. That that happened. And uh, the same media guy is saying that there's a bounty on Steven Montez's head. Which is not not how that went. But also, though, I would make the counter-argument that it actually... 
I'm going to be careful now I phrase this. Like, the additional oomph that the rivalry has gotten based on how what happened in the game last year is probably actually good for this football team and good for the rivalry in general um, just because I don't think that the players were really feeling the rivalry and even when they played the game last year, and in fact, Mo Berry kind of he said that right on on Monday, where he was like, ah, I didn't get that it was that big of a deal until we got out there, and he was like, there maybe it was because that was actually our first game. Even he said it, um, but he said he definitely felt a different level um, of people being pumped up out there for that game. So I think that the way that it transpired last year actually gives it a little bit extra juice for the players, which is a good thing for them. Um, than me in Nebraska. I don't know if it's a good thing for Colorado because I just don't like. I'm with you 100 percent on this team being angry. Like it, and it's and the defense is really angry for a couple of reasons. One, because of what happened to their quarterback last year. B, because I still feel like, and I, I really think that this is going to be a storyline that develops throughout the season. We have to see though that the defense is angry that basically everyone wrote them off. Yep. That all of the talk, and I'm included on this because I say it all the time, right? It's an offensive program. The big thing with this program is the offense. Um, that what's going to lead this team into glory is the offense. And I think the defense is tired of hearing that. And I don't think that they're, I don't know if they can ever come out and say that that explicitly, but I really think they're tired of it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a little bit of pride going into this thing. I, I think Adrian is upset. Yeah. This but, is the first time that he's been here that he's been publicly called out. So if he's being publicly called out, like, and I'm talking called, like, Frost said it Monday, the quarterback has to play better. And he, and he said that he's a great he's a great player and he's a great kid and he still believes in him yeah. and he's still in his corner. But he said he has to play better. Mario Verduzco said, "Look, it's on me too. I didn't get him ready." But he also said a number of times his eyeballs got to be in the right place. Yeah. He can't be throwing those interceptions. He's got to be better in the run game. He's got to have more. I think he said uh, intensity in the run game. He said he didn't is sense that basically hesitancy. his way of de- decisiveness? Is yes. He said he like didn't – well, he said he didn't sense hesitancy, but he didn't see the same kind of um, running fervor that he saw. And Frost kind of alluded to it when he said he wants Adrian to be an eye back in a quarterback's uniform, yep. or quarterback's body or whatever the yeah, phrase when was. He ta- he when he takes off, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like this is the first time – I mean, he didn't play well against – Michigan last year. That was probably his worst game in a Husker uniform, but there were, I mean, context around that. He's coming back from an injury. They played a first half. They played a Michigan team that was ready to just bury them. Um, With with an elite defense. Yeah, (laughs) and he he only got a half. This one, I I thought this past Saturday was probably the worst game that he's played, worst complete game that he's played, given the context of the situation. Mm -hmm. And I think... I mean, if this stuff is said publicly, like, what did he hear at practice this week? What did he hear Sunday when he came back and they got their evaluations from the game? Like, I think that this dude is an elite quarterback, and I think that everything that has transpired over the last week means that Colorado is going to get a... a, a I, I think they're gonna Nebraska's gonna drop like six hundred yards on Colorado. I don't know what the score is gonna be, but I think Adrian is gonna go wild. I think that the the one big thing and, and this is the thing that is dangerous about a quarterback like Adrian Martinez, um, and it's particularly dangerous if your coaches have been hammering home that you need to be more decisive in the QB run game, is we were sitting in the pro, we sit next to each other in the press box, full disclosure, and we kept saying to each other throughout the game when he was not taking off on what looked to be to us like 
variations of zone reads. Like, hey, that was open. Hey, he could have gotten to the corner. So if this week, if he's actually holding a couple of those and then he's taking off and he's doing it decisively really quickly, um, that really messes up the defense. And then now they're starting to have to make choices that they don't want to make and it opens up everything for Nebraska. Like, I feel like there's such a domino effect from the threat of his running ability that we didn't get to see at all <laughs> in, in the opening game um, that that alone will make a huge difference in how they perform offensively. Well, and it's not like we're predicting that anything is going to happen that hasn't already happened. These guys put up 500 yards against Colorado last year, and a lot of that defense is back. Right. Like, And this Colorado defense just gave up 6.5 yards per play mm-hmm. to Colorado State. The first, like, eight drives, I think, if they didn't get a turnover, Colorado State scored points. Yeah. I was watching uh, watching some film from that game. They couldn't set the edge any better than Nebraska could. Yeah. Like, they had serious problems on defense. So expecting them to just come in and continue to shut down Nebraska's offense, I think, is expecting something that's not going to come. Especially when they didn't do it. And, I, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up last year's game because they did not do that last year no. when, in theory, it well, it was not even theory. It was Nebraska's first actual game. Um, it was a true freshman's first start. So even though we have this bad performance last week, he does have multiple starts under his belt. Um, and I think it's ultimately going to be a good thing that he faced some adversity because because we needed to, at some point we were going to have to find out how Adrian Martinez bounced back from adversity. Like we, we just were going to have to, and you didn't want that to end up being in a really big spot. It's better to have it happen game one when they still win um, than later on, yeah. say even like against say, Wisconsin. Like, against or, or, yeah, like later on. Yeah, so I, I'm I think it'll turn out to be a good thing for them. Well, and I don't know how many times you've watched back Saturday's game. I've watched it a handful of times. I looked at a couple different things each time. His stuff, his misses, they're not troublesome at all. They're not worrisome at all. They're just like like the interception. He's just looking at the wrong guy. Like Verduzco talked about this. He's just looking at the wrong guy. The the miss that he had, um, and I wrote about this, they, the third and 12 that they had from inside their own territory, and, and he threw it to Conovay Noah doing a post over the middle mm-hmm. of the field, and, and J.D. Spielman was wide open on a corner on the sideline. He just missed it. And they came back and did the exact same thing, and he hit J.D. Spielman like the misses were just misses that Adrian hasn't made in a while. So. The one that the one sorry to cut you off. The one, the one that really bugs me is the the Wandale one um, over the top where he had to drop the ball the in. Um, because I actually think that that to me that throw is the one that's the next step in his development as a quarterback is consistently hitting that because it looks like it's going to be there. Like if you just go and just of all the bad things that happened in game one um, with their offense, like you think about the pop pass, the stole over the top, they had the seam open multiple times. Um, and it's just something that's designed well in this offense. He's going to have to hit that pass going forward. Yeah. And <laughs> the, uh, the offensive weapons around him, it was a good showing from them in week one, I think, even though the, the yardage wasn't there. Uh, am I crazy for saying that Jack Stoll is the second-best receiving option that Nebraska has? Mm, man, that's tough. I don't know if I would say... That dude, 
But I get would, him I'm, involved as much as possible. I am curious to see his second because again, there's more storylines. It's it's a, it's a big week for him going back to his home state um, to play a game, uh, and so I'm, I'm curious to see how he does because he was their leading receiver, right? Game one, he's six but six yards. Didn't get the ball in the second half at all. Yeah, he had like fifty of them on the first drive. Right, and so how do you continue to get him involved, um, especially as teams have to try and focus on the perimeter game and taking away guys outside? Um, or are you using him as a decoy so then teams are leaving J.D. Spielman one-on-one or Wandale one-on-one or whatever? Like, in theory, and we've talked about this a lot leading into the season, you should have all sorts of matchup problems. But if he is your top or second best or even third best option out there, you do have to find ways to continue to get stolen football. I think you should just roll with J.D. Spielman as a decoy and a third option on any given play, and you've got Wanda Robinson, Jack Stolen, Maurice Washington. Like, I know people aren't – and we can talk about Maurice's legal situation if you want to. The the thing got pushed. It got continued until October 17th. So it's not – I don't think it's going to be decided before the football season is over. Personally. Neither do I. Um, and, and people are going to be upset that he plays, whatever. I don't I don't really want to get into that. But he's a better runner than Diedrich Mills is. For and this th- offense, he's a better fit for what they want to do. And when you watch him on the field, you and I were talking about this at practice a couple of days ago, and you made the comment that he sees those cutback lanes mm-hmm. that Dedrick Mills just doesn't see. But the, and the thing that separates him is he has the ability to make those plays and to get there and to beat people to the edge and to make people miss. And it's just it's a it's a natural ability that when you see it on the field, you're just like, yeah, dude, the dude has it. And it's it's and, and see and that's the the thing that we're gonna find out really fast about Mills is whether or not he has that in him at all. Like if, if it's in him to be able to a see those cutback lanes, b take them, but then also take those cutback lanes aggressively. Right? It's one of the things that I still think that we underrated about Divino Zigbo is that his ability. It looks like it, it, people always describe it as he has more wiggle to his running style than he does, or he's faster than we thought he was. I don't necessarily even. Think it was that I just thought Devon was a it was really good. He had really good vision, and he was very good at making decisive cuts. Once they fig- once he figured that out, like it was like night and day with his running style and how well he played last year. We saw then what ended up happening a thousand yard season. I think that's going to be the difference between Mills being able to be that type of back or not. It's whether or not he can see him, see the cutback lanes, can make those decisive decisions. Um, because if he can't, it is going to be tough for him as they try to patchwork this offensive line situation. Um, because it's not your traditional those you know your tackle and guard are just going to blow a hole wide open for you and you take the handoff and just go. It's just, it's not, and it's not even that type of scheme. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't necessarily want to f- focus on the defense. I just kind of want to get quick, a quick answer from you to a question because I think what they did last Saturday is sustainable over the course of the season, but I don't know to what degree. Okay. Um, so I, I think they're going to be really good, but I don't know to what degree. So I kind of want to hold out talking about them for another week or two. Um, but were you surprised by what you saw from the defense or do you think that this is something that that can continue to be the case with that with that group I was not surprised by what we saw from the defense and and it's because of the one thing that I keep coming back to and what the coaching staff I know was very happy about is that they ran to the football very well they are this defense is now a they're more comfortable in the scheme which allows you to it it just makes it appear as if you're playing faster but I also think they are playing faster because they've had another year of strength and conditioning um, and they're also all it feels like most everyone has gotten better Mm -hmm. um, over the offseason 
season. And so when they're running to the football like they are and they're putting forth the effort, like you're not seeing anyone loafing out there. Yeah. I think that that's the thing to me that is 100% sustainable. Like that doesn't go away whether you're playing here, you're playing at Colorado, at Iowa, whatever. Like that effort level, if that's there and guys are being put in the right position, so long as they then make the play, like they should be fine on defense. It's the, the five turnovers. Like it's going to be tough to replicate that, but you should still get a couple yeah. <laughs> by yeah. playing that way. Yeah, if you can get two or three, yeah. uh, I think that's perfectly doable. And, I mean, this is the reason that Garrett Nelson was able to get on the field game one in the third quarter because he just runs to the football. Yep. When you run to the, when you have five, six, seven guys running to the football every single play and aggressively, good things happen. So You, you know the thing, though, too, you mentioned Garrett Nelson, and I, and I think I've said this to you off, off mic before, is that the thing about Garrett Nelson and the way that he plays is it makes those other players, but especially the outside linebackers, perform the way he does like you cannot show up and half step out there at that position knowing that that dude's gonna come go 110 percent every single time like you just can't do that and when that starts to trickle down and you get a couple more guys also that are doing that on your defense cam taylor is brit cam taylor brit is like that as well um that's when you really start to get some cool stuff within that defense yeah let's talk about the center spot okay what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, okay, I should say up front, I am not nearly as panicked as what most of the day seems to be right now. Okay, so I just want to put that out there because I know that people will hear this and be like, oh, man, they're not appropriately outraged. Um, I think that there has not been not nearly enough attention paid to the fact that that was Cam Jurgens' first game ever in a real game. At center. He did not snap in high school, correct? Correct. So this is the first time he, he snapped in a football game. So like I so nerves I, are gonna come into play. You're right. So and, and it was on and, ESPN. And there's going to be just like you're just gonna have some things happen that shouldn't necessarily happen. And I feel like and this is listen, this is partially Scott Frost's fault. He invoked the name Dave Remington, they've called him special. Yep. They said they just look different with him out there. Yep. So I think people I think they by doing that, he set the expectation that that learned that those early bumps would just be skipped over. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that they should have done it. I think they did him a disservice by doing that because you should have just let him go out there and show people that the offense was different and special with him um, instead of telling them to be prepared for that, which I just think is a lesson learned going forward. Um, but Dude, I think people expected a scoring explosion team. Yeah. Yeah. That like, too. I think that's what people <laughs> expected. The thing that I don't understand is all last year, towards the beginning, well, I'll say all last offseason leading up to it, when we figured out Adrian was the guy, there was constantly, Adrian's really special, but there are growing pains and we have to live through those. Yeah, they did. Where yeah. where have those comments been? I feel like everybody was like, okay, this is Adrian's first time. He's got to get acclimated to college football. He's going to go through the freshman mistakes that everybody makes. We just got to learn through the growing pains. Cam Jurgens has growing pains. And it's like, why is he having growing pain? Like, <laughs> like why, aren't guys. We, why aren't we replacing him? Like, it's just like... The Will Farniok stuff... He, Look, if they got chemistry, it's fine. It's fine. But the offensive uh, or the lack of offensive ineptitude in the second half with Will Farniak snapping has nothing to do with Will Farniak snapping. They played 16 snaps. Nothing from, from the second half is a suitable sample size to compare the two players right now. Okay. They would have to play multiple games. Farniak needs more than they need equal snaps first of all and Farniak <laughs> needs more than just 16 snaps and I think a lot of the running success in the second half I've said this a ton this week a lot of the running success in the second half had more to do with Maurice Washington yeah. versus Diedrich Mills than it did Will Farniak versus Cameron Jurgens. I would agree with that yeah so 
the snapping thing, like, it's a it's a double edged. I'm not worried about it because I just have said since I like I feel like I've written about him a ton, and every single time I say you just got to work through it, and the only way to work through it is to work through it. Yeah, get him he reps. He just has to play. Yeah, he has to get reps. He has to get reps because he's never played the position before. I don't yes. think we say that enough, so I'm going to keep saying it. He has and, not and Hawks doesn't count. No, Hawks doesn't count. Hawks helps, yeah, it but helps. it doesn't count and when you're he going did, to and, field. And to even, well, to even say, like, it, it's different to do it in Hawks and in practice versus doing it in a game, but even then he didn't have enough practice reps because he had been injured in and out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, but I think that the one thing, and this is why the more I think about it, the more it bugs me that Frost didn't, protect Jurgens on the front end a little bit more. You can say the stuff about he's special, we look different, but also say, but there's going to be growing pains with a freshman, but the dividends will be great down the road. I feel like that was always implied, but not actually stated and need to be stated because I think that you have to set the expectation for that, but you also have to, like, when when people look around the country and they see, you know, Wisconsin's redshirt junior offense center or, you know, Oklahoma center, because you got OU hat on, um, so maybe think that, like, whoever you want to insert those people had to go through sorry i took that shot at you those people have to go through these types of growing pains as well if they have played early in their career yeah. like to get to that stability you have to go through growing pains it's the same like thing with the kick happens that is we correct. Just about Barry. You had to go through to. it with Barry Pickering, and that's and I said actually I think I said that last year when people were complaining about Barry Pickering is that to get to you know multi year starter Drew Brown he had to go through stuff in the beginning of his career yeah. and that's how you would have to do it with year. yeah to do with Barry Pickering as well. So, but can I th- one thing real quick? Well, I'm the, about to say I think I'm about to say the exact same thing. Are you? Well, are you about to say the reason why you think that people aren't giving Cam that grace? No. Okay. The reason I think that people are not giving Cam Jurgens that same grace is because they think that this offense is going to come out and score 50 points a game, and there is a fear in the back of people's minds that you don't want to waste Adrian Martinez. So every game that is not peak Adrian is one that you're like, ooh, we just wasted another opportunity because he may or may not be here all that much longer. Does it matter if they're winning, though? Huh? Does it matter if they're winning, though? Uh, <laughs> I... I'm, I, like the defense found a way to win game one. If they find a way to win game two, and it doesn't look pretty, but like let's say Wandale Robinson houses a kickoff return, and JD Spillman sets him up at the five yard line with another punt return, like does it really matter? Because they've won two football games. I, That's half I of what they did last year. I don't think it does, and I think it actually says something more. If that happens, I think it actually really says something about the team that they figured out a way to win a game, especially on the road, which they did not win a single game on the road last year. I also don't think last year's team wins that game last week either um, just because the defense wouldn't have been as good um, so I, I, I'm i with you I see what you're, what you're putting down here I'm so with you. what I was going to say about Cam is we've done all of this protecting of him and all of the, the hedging of bets but I, I will say this got to be better this week because yeah, that's all better. of their offense is built around timing and reading coverage reading specific guys in coverage at the snap of the ball and if Adrian is looking up huh. to find the ball Adrian is not looking at the coverage. Yes, and don't so, don't let this excuse. Don't let all of this yeah. talk excuse the fact that he needs to get better. He, like there needs to be a step forward. I don't know how. Like and that doesn't. It can't be. It's not going to be a twenty yard leap, but it can. Be, it needs to be a step or two forward from what we saw. It needs to not be half of his snaps are off target, right. which is 
I mean, and, and it's probably a little bit of uh, user error on my part calculating that, but around half of his snaps were not on target. Yeah. And that needs to not be the case this week because, like, a, a ton of the time, Adrian is jumping to catch the ball, and then you see him reaching to give the ball to the running back. Right. And Does a lot that of that stuff right? is probably read stuff that they're just not doing because he's not reading what he's supposed to be reading. Right. So, so you cut that down to... 30%? What did you have? We had 48 or 46%. Yeah, something um, like that. Cut that down to 30%. On target. Cut, get Adrian's eyeballs in the right spot. Shouts to Verdue. Um, and he makes some of those throws, and I think you'll be okay. You'll see a nice jump in the offense. And I don't think that that's unreasonable um, to think, and it's not definitely not unreasonable considering the defense they're playing. And I don't think Cam Jurgens needs to have a quick hook again this week. I agree with that. I think that you got to roll with them, let them work through it throughout the whole game. And, 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 and work through it is also working through any nicks and bumps that come up <laughs> and bumps and bruises throughout the game as well. It can't just be a quick, oh, he's not feeling well. Like You've got to figure out the health stuff as well for a full game. Like my column, or it wasn't a column, but the, the, the first thing that we published after the game ended on Saturday, the rapid, whatever you want to call it, one of the things was if Jurgens is the guy, Jurgens needs to be the guy. Like, if you're going to put him number one on the depth chart, if you're going to put Will Farniak number one on the depth chart, fine. Roll with him. If you're going to put Cam Jurgens number one on the depth chart again, he needs to be the guy. I don't want to talk about pitch count. I don't want to talk about, oh, we exceeded the pitch count, and, you know, he wasn't going to play the second half anyway, and we were already halfway through, we just pulled him out. I don't want to hear any of that. He needs to play. If you talk about he just needs reps and you didn't get the reps in practice, he needs to play. Totally agree. Okay. Good stuff, man. We're going to have Brian on the pod next to talk Colorado. Joining us on the podcast now, as he did last year, previewing Colorado, it's Brian Howell, buffzone.com, Boulder Daily Camera. Brian, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I I just want to kind of jump right into Colorado um, because this is – uh, I think this is going to be a, a fascinating game. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. Um, they played Colorado State in the opener, and I think, if I remember reading correctly, they didn't force a punt on defense until the fourth quarter. Up until that point, it was either Colorado State scored or Colorado forced a turnover. So I just kind of want to start. I want you to assess how the defense performed in week one. Um, because everything that I've kind of read is that the you know the defense in a lot of ways is similar to what Nebraska was last year, where the offense is, has the firepower and the defense is lagging behind. So, how would you assess the defensive performance in Week One? Yeah, they had some struggles. Uh, they you know obviously it's a whole new coaching staff, so everything is new to these guys. It's a new defensive scheme, a new offensive scheme, but um, you know new new defense and they struggled a little bit. Uh, you know CSU um, scored on every possession in the first half except for one, which ended in an in a, uh, interception in the end zone where the safety made a great play and CSU was marching down the field. So, um, yeah, they, they kind of moved the ball um, seemingly at will. And, yeah, it wasn't until the fourth quarter that they punted and uh, it was all either feast or famine uh, for CSU. So, you know, the bus gave up 505 uh, yards. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's, it's only four or five times in their history they've given up 500 yards in one game by 21 points. And one of those being a very famous CU Nebraska game in 2001, but uh, um, yeah, it hasn't happened very often. So defense 
they certainly weren't happy with all the yards given up and all the all the big plays, but they played a much better second half, forced three turnovers in the second half and won the game and uh, did it going away. On the other side of the ball, uh, I think Colorado has maybe the best wide receiver in the country in LaVisca Chenault. How, how are teams supposed to stop him? You know, CSU did a pretty good job last week, and part of it was uh, CSU, part of it was CU's game plan. Um, he's so good. I don't know how you actually stop him, but um, CSU, uh, you know, they, they, a lot of times, I mean, they just had a guy blanketing him the whole game and they often would have a, a safety over the top of him, uh, with, with some double coverage there and kind of limited his, his touches that way. But, you know, see, well, he got 60 offensive plays and, um, LaVisco had six touches. And so his, his touch numbers were, were really down. Um, I was surprised by that. I thought he'd be at more like 10 or 12. Um, but a lot of it was, CU was very intent on running the football, and so you know they kind of took LaVisca out of the games themselves, and I don't think that's necessarily what they're going to do all year. Um, I think they're going to maybe use – I think they maybe used LaVisca as a, a decoy a little bit last week. So I've never really seen anybody stop LaVisca. So I don't know how to answer the question of how they stopped him, but certainly CSU tried by putting somebody over the top and kind of doubling him a little bit, and um, you, know, you kind of – do that, maybe hit him a little bit, maybe get him off his game, but uh, you know, nobody's ever really stopped him. So he, he's just really, he's really good. And you know, Nebraska saw that last year, obviously. Yeah, Nebraska didn't stop him last year either. I mean, do do you see? Because it's it's the same two corners from last year: Lamar Jackson, and DiCaprio, Boodle. The safeties are a little bit different, but he burned Boodle a handful of times. Do you see Nebraska having the personnel to do uh, kind of the same thing? Just make make things miserable for him, or try? Yeah, I, I think you know, the one thing that's interesting about Colorado, too, is that it's not just Chenault. I mean, they've got um, so many weapons at receiver that uh, that's going to make things uh, a little bit difficult on that Nebraska secondary as well. Uh, you know, Katie Nixon, Tony Brown, uh, there's other guys at the receiver core that are pretty good. They'll, but they'll hurt Nebraska if Nebraska spends too much uh, focus on LaVisca. So, uh, you know, certainly – you know, I would expect that, I mean, you guys are around there. I, I haven't seen Nebraska, you know, too much, obviously, this year. But I would expect uh, those guys are better or with a year of experience um, in that secondary. So they might have, that experience might help them out. But uh, certainly they can't focus too much on LaVisca, but some of those other guys are going to hurt them. Given, given what happened in last year's game, and, you know, all the coaches here have been really careful. I mean, they were careful in the moment to talk about, you know, we just don't know intent. It's football. Things happen. And now with a new coaching staff, a lot of the talk has been, that's last year. We're not going to talk about it. But the uh, given the the thing that happened um, that, that got Adrian Martinez hurt in the fourth quarter of last year's game, um, it's certainly been a topic of discussion within the fan base. The players, depending on who you talk to, are a little bit hesitant to go that route. Um, a lot of Nebraska's players, to me, have talked about this is just a, a vengeance tour of sorts against every team that beat us, not necessarily Colorado. Um, but Cam Taylor Britt, Nebraska's cornerback, had a, a comment on Monday that uh, Colorado has a target on their head. And some yeah. of the stuff that I've seen coming out of Boulder or coming from the Denver Post has been, it, it seems like um, Colorado is... Maybe talking trash a little bit. Do you do you, do you, have you sensed that? Do you get the sense that Nebraska is talking trash? I mean, how is Colorado approaching this thing? Are they playing up the bad blood? Are they just dodging the rivalry aspect altogether? Or, or kind of what, what's how has that been handled this week? 
I mean, there's been zero trash talk out of Colorado. If there has been, I haven't heard it at all. Um, I, I mean, Steven Montez even had a quote the other day because he, they, a lot of the players have been asked about some of the things that Nebraska players have said this week. And, you know, Scott Frost has had a couple of digs at, at Colorado, um, subtle digs in his press conferences. And, and uh, you know, Steven Montez had a quote this week. He said, hey, Nebraska's talking enough for both of us. And that was his only comment on it. And every time we ask players about what Nebraska players are saying, all they've said is, you know, we're just worrying about us and we're, you know, they can, they can say what they want. So there's been zero trash talk out of Colorado and they're just kind of, you know, Mel Tucker, the head coach actually said, um, he does not like his, his players talking trash and he, he thinks there's no place for it. And he's made that message clear to the players. He's not going to be doing this stuff. And so there's really been none of it from Colorado. And, you know, it's it's been a very business-like approach. I mean, they certainly know the rivalry, and, and there's a lot of players that were obviously in the game last year and um, now have experienced what it's like, and uh, they understand what this game means to the fan base, but they're really just kind of focusing on I mean, their whole message to us has just been, hey, we're just worried about our game, and as long as we go out and do that, we should be okay. I don't know if you – it was fairly recently put up. I don't know if you saw it yet or not. Max Olson from The Athletic had a piece talking to – it was a Colorado linebacker, I think, and he said Adrian Martinez's weakness is passing the ball. And so they're just trying to keep him um, keep him contained in the pocket. And I know kind of setting the edge was a little bit of a, a concern from from what I've read. It was a little bit of a concern against Colorado State. I mean, how are how are defensive coaches, how are defensive players, defensive leaders kind of approaching – this week, knowing that Nebraska uh, was f- frankly bad on offense last week, uh, is it a lot of you know we feel like we can do a lot of the same things that South Alabama did to them, or is it more uh, guys are talking about like you know look we know what this offense is capable of. It was just an off week for them. Yeah, that's kind of been the message from Colorado, and you know Tucker obviously is, is new to face Nebraska, but. You know, he had some very complimentary things to say about Adrian. He said that it's not often you see a guy uh, like that that can run the ball and throw the ball like he does. And Nate Lamon, uh, their, their star inside linebacker, um, was telling me this week he, he doesn't think that uh, Nebraska is going to be as bad on offense as they were last week. So, uh, he feels, feels like that was an anomaly. I mean, they saw a Martinez last year that I think had over 300 yards of total offense and three touchdowns. And so they're expecting to see that Martinez. And, and yeah, CU got burned on the edges last week. And they had a couple guys uh, at CSU that really um, hit them on the perimeter. And so, uh, you know, CU is trying to shore that up because if they don't, then uh, obviously Nebraska is going to take advantage of that. And then uh, Adrian with that, uh, with that option can take advantage of that. So um, they're certainly looking at Nebraska's game last week as kind of an anomaly, and they expect a much better offense they're going to face this week. What are your keys to the game for a Colorado win? I think they've got to play clean football. Uh, you know, they, they've got to force turnovers like they did last year against Nebraska. I think that's going to help them, um, especially early in the game. They've got to run the football, and that's uh, been a, a big emphasis for them under Mel Tucker, and that's why, you know, like I was saying earlier, that um, you know Mel Tucker wanted to come out and, and establish a run the other day, and, and that sort of took LaVisca out of things. But uh, they ran the ball well against Colorado State, and they want to do that. Uh, well in this game as well. And the other thing is stopping the run. I mean, that's a major uh, emphasis for them. And, and especially with this Nebraska offense, you've got to stop the run. And uh, I think if they, if they do well in the run game, uh, running it and stopping the run, and they can generate a couple of takeaways, I think they'll be all right. What about going the other direction? Nebraska does these three things, blank, blank, and blank, and, and Nebraska wins, fill in the blanks. 
Well, I think, I mean, Nebraska's got to hold on to the ball, obviously. I think if they hold on to the ball last year, they win that game. Uh, certainly the, a couple early turnovers really cost them. Um, so they've got to hold on to the ball. They've got to play better offensively than they did last week. Uh, I think that's an obvious one. Um, is If they play offense like they're usually capable of and like we've seen out of uh, this Adrian Martinez and Scott Frost offense last year, then you know they can do some things against Colorado because Colorado's defense is still young and getting used to its system, and uh, there's some holes there. So if they play really sound offensively and if they uh, play solid defense and they're able to shut down that passing game in Colorado, Nebraska's going to win this game. Okay. What about a score prediction from you? I, you know, I, I, last year I thought it was really tight and I gave Nebraska the edge because uh, it was at home. And this year I kind of feel the same way. And so I'm giving the edge to Colorado because it's at home. And so I'm picking the buffs 30 to 27. I just think, I think they're, I think they're mentally tough. They're, they came in and played them a very mentally tough game in, in Lincoln last year. But this team is even more mentally tough, I believe. And so I think they pull this out. I think it's going to be a really good football game, though. And I could certainly see either side winning. But I go with the Buffs in this one, 30-27. to 27. I'm going to be real honest with you. I think Nebraska's offense is going to have a breakout day. I mean, Colorado gave up six and a half yards per play, I think is what it was, against Colorado State. Yeah. Like, do you, is there any level of concern that this could turn into because of how bad it was last week and how talented, really, Nebraska's quarterback is? Is there any concern from you that this could turn into a game that is a little bit more lopsided than people expect? I mean, the line is pretty small. Um, is there any concern on your part? I don't see a lopsided game just because I think CU's offense can do some things as well. Um, but. I do, I, there is concern that Nebraska is going to have a big day on offense. And, um, you know, CU's defense was pretty vanilla early on. I think they tried to get away with um, just playing their base 4-3 and, and winning that game. And, uh, you know, I think CSU in the first half, their average per play was like 9.2. And then the second half, it was like 4.5. So um, CU really played better defense in the second half, and they kind of mixed things up a little bit. So I expect them to be better, a little bit better and mix things up on defense. But certainly Nebraska, you know, I, I love their weapons. I, I mean, I think Adrian's a talented quarterback, and I think that he's better than any, anybody that CSU had last week. And so um, certainly I could see Nebraska having a big game offensively. But I just don't see a runaway because I think CU's got so many weapons on offense that they can be they can score in this game. I think it's going to be a really fun game regardless. The most important question that I have for you, though, is am I going to get hit in the head with one of these aluminum cups? <laughs> um, I can't answer that for you, but what I can <laughs> tell you is that it's not. If you do, it's not going to hurt any more than if you get hit by one of the plastic cups or like a empty soda bottle. I'll just say that. Have you it's seen about these to, cups? It's about this. Yeah, they they uh, they gave a they, they gave all of us one the other day during the press conference, and and yeah, they're they're a little sturdier than a plastic cup, but they're. I mean, they're literally the exact same weight as like if you take a 20 ounce Pepsi bottle, dump it out, and take the lid off, which they, you know, they always take the lid off at stadiums. It's the same weight. So you, know, you might get. You know, I can't tell if you're going to hit or not, but if you do, it won't hurt that bad. It's it's so funny that they gave you like a a, a cup. It's almost like when the. Uh, athletic department opens a new facility and they give the media like a tour of that new facility to show it off. It's like, here, here's right. our, here's our new cups. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they're, they're, you know, the ball corporation here in, uh, in Colorado is, is proud of these things. And, uh, certainly they wanted some publicity for those cups and they're, they're hoping to roll these out in stadiums all over the place, uh, in the next couple of years. So who knows 
you know, Memorial Stadium might have these in the next uh, couple of years as well. As long as Memorial Stadium starts serving alcohol in the next couple of years, I think I don't really care what, what they are served in as long as that happens. <laughs> the one the one bad thing is, is that from what I hear, is the metal cups will only be used for uh, beer sales this week. So the people that do have the metal cups in their hands will uh, you know, have been drinking beer, so there is a possibility they will get thrown, but we'll see. That's an, that's an interesting plan. Only give it to the boozies. All right. Yeah, and I'm I'm not really <laughs> sure, you know, why that is, but you know maybe there's some sort of deal with with the alcohol company. I don't, I have no idea, but that's what I've heard is it's only going to be used for beer sales this week. Interesting. All right, Brian, I'm sure you've got work to do. Um, I will see you in Boulder this weekend. I will be uh, gazing at the mountains behind Folsom Field. I've seen pictures, and it's I'm very excited to come. Thank you for coming on the podcast and uh, talking once again. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, and everybody can follow Brian. It's Brian with an I, Howell33 on Twitter. I will link to him in the description. So, Brian, thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Making his debut on the other Hale Varsity podcast. Really good golfer. Pretty good football player. Jay Moore. What's up, man? How are you? Nothing. Good, Derek. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. How uh, how excited are you for this Colorado game? Is your blood boiling a little bit after what's kind of been said this week? Yeah, no, I'm very excited. Yeah, I've never liked Colorado. Or, you know, when I even when I was playing growing up, it was you know, you know, you you know, I was growing up. We saw the Oklahoma rivalry, and that was more of a respected deal. And um, you learned to you learned to hate um, Colorado just because of. You know what what Coach McCartney did there for many years. You know, he kind of built it up and didn't allow players to wear red inside the, you know, inside the football facility at all. And, um, you know, they're, you know, they've had some dirty players in the past, and obviously what happened with Adrian last year. And so no, I'm I'm ready. I, I wish I wish you know, offensively, you know, Nebraska would have played a little better last week just to make me feel at a little ease. But uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. They did not play very well. So I don't know what to expect offensively for this game. But no, it's, it's good. I'm glad uh, I'm glad uh, it's here. It's finally here. And you know what? They win this game and get off to a good start. I think it can really gain some momentum and, and propel them, you know, obviously against Northern Illinois and, and getting to Illinois in the conference play. And then still, I think everyone has that, you know, September 28th game against uh, – you know, against Ohio State schedule. So, but this is this is the first one they got to take care of, and uh, hopefully they come out and play well. Hopefully the defense can continue to play well, and the offense can kind of get it going after their, you know, sloppy, slow, sluggish start they had last week against South Alabama. Yeah, I want to talk to you about the the defense in particular a little bit later. We can talk about the offense as well. Um, the first thing that I want to talk to you about, though, we're coming up on like a 15th anniversary, 15 year anniversary of this game. It's the 2005 game at Colorado mm-hmm. that the student section was cleared out of. Tell me about this game, yeah. what it was like to be in that stadium. Yeah, I mean, God, 15 years now, you make me really feel old. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> you're fine. Um, no, it's, uh, it was a, you know, it was, my junior year, it was year two of, of the Callahan um, system and or the Callahan experiment, I guess you could call it now. Um, you know, going to that game, people, you know, I think we were, I want to say we were six and five um, or it were seven and four, maybe. 
um, I can't remember what our record was. And we had, you know, we'd been up and down. We played well, but we had, I think we'd had lost a couple in a row. I think maybe Kansas and, uh, yeah, we struggled. We had struggled sometimes during the season. And, uh, so people, I think, you know, weren't expecting much going to that game. I know, you know, uh, Colorado at the time had already locked up the big 12 North. So they were obviously going to play against, you know, Texas and Texas obviously won the national championship that year with Vince Young in 05 and had that great game against USC in the Rose Bowl. Um, so expectations, I think, you know, weren't, weren't too high for Nebraska for us. Um, you know, but that was, that was a big game where, you know, we, we get to our lockers and we have these t-shirts. You know, I think we actually were given the t-shirts before the game. We wore them underneath our warm-up jackets that said restore the order because, you know, Colorado had kind of controlled the North there. You know, I think they won it in, um, 04, they won in 05. So, uh, we were just trying to, you know, get back to what Nebraska was. And that was always one of the North and playing for big 12 championships. Um, and we're actually able to do that next, the following year, but, you know, we get there and, you know, the, uh, fight almost breaks out between us in, uh, in pregame warmups. You know, I know t- t- television coverage got it. You know, we're kind of going through our team warmups and our backs are kind of our backs to each other, but you know, you're right around the 50 and, people start jawing and, you know, we're about to get separated. So that was that bunch going into it, the pregame. And then, you know, we just, we just handled them. I mean, they, they really couldn't do much. They, they got one kind of big play run on us early in the game and kind of, we held them to a field goal and that's all they scored. They got one field goal on their first drive and it's 30 to, you know, we, we whoop them. It's 30 to three. And, um, you know, we all know that their fans have been, um, you know, classless, you know, they're, 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 they're tough fans. They are, uh, they, they, they're, they're fair weather, I guess, you know, when they're, everything's going good, you know, it's, it's all, it's all fine, but all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're beating them up and this game is, you know, well over. And you all of a sudden you get into the third quarter, late in the third quarter, and they start chucking water bottles on the field. They start chucking, you know, anything and everything they could get, it's coming on the field. And I think our offense was kind of backing towards that end zone uh, where they were. And, uh, you know, they literally stopped the game for 20 or 30 minutes. And they clear out the whole student section. I mean, it is wiped out, and that that whole corner of that stadium and that that end zone is there is not a soul, and they are wiped out. I mean, it's I don't know if it's ever been done before or it's ever happened again. Not not you know not even at Colorado, but uh, at any other Division One venue where you know or fifty thousand plus fans in the stadium. So it was it was a wild scene. Um, you know we. You know, we obviously win the game 30 to three. We're, you know, a ton of Nebraska fans um, were there. I don't know if there was as many as what potentially could be there on Saturday, but, uh, you know, we're kind of going up in the stands and high fiving and, and celebrating because it, it was a big win for us. I mean, Colorado was, was, it was that year was a really, really good football team. Um, and we went in there and smoked them on the turf and got the student section kicked out. And we had the shirts, you know, we had the shirts underneath. So that made it even better. You know, you wear those restore the order shirts underneath your pads and then you don't back it up and get beat, you know, it kind of makes it very anticlimactic. So, uh, okay. no, it, it was good. You know, we're, we're celebrating the locker room, you know, and, you know, it kind of gave us some good momentum. You know, we, we win that game and, um, you know, I, th- I think we ended the year at that time at eight and four or seven and five. I can't remember. Um, but we go on and we get, we go to the Alamo bowl where we play Michigan and, and beat Michigan. So it just gave us some good momentum you know, to finish off the season and carry into 2006, which is my senior year. And, uh, but no, that was, that was a wild game. That's definitely a game. Uh, I will, I will not forget. Um, you know, it was just, it was, it was, it was a great thing. Two, two questions for you from that experience. 
one, did you get hit with anything on the field? Was anything thrown at you? And two, no, I, yeah, no, you were you weren't hit with anything. No, I no, I did not. I did not get hit with anything. We were our bench, and I think this is probably a smart move on Colorado's part. Is um, our, you know, the the your when you start on the sidelines, the benches are really really close to the stands. Um, Colorado's like that. I remember Oklahoma State being like that too. I mean, you're literally can turn around and someone could be, you know, they could pour a beer on your head if they wanted to. Um, so you're super close. So the 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 CU student section is more towards the Colorado bench. Um, so I don't, I didn't get anything thrown on me. I don't think we were on the field, um, at that time. So we, uh, yeah, I think the offense was, I think it was weird. Cause I remember sitting on this, I think I was sitting on the bench and we just, you know, during that scene where everything was getting clear up. So I did, I did not get hit with anything, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. Greg Austin told Aaron Sorensen that he got hit with an orange. So I was just curious. <laughs> um, second part of that question as a competitor being, on the road, being in enemy territory, especially against a rival, how good does that feel to to not just beat up on a team, but to completely like demoralize the fan base to the extent where you clear them out by the end of the game? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's there's nothing better. There's nothing better than than doing that. I mean, it's it's awesome. And I mean, you don't, you know. You know, we we went through some struggles when I was there. You know, we it was it was hard to win on the road. It still is hard to win the road. But when you can go in there in, in any place, but also obviously into into Colorado, where their fans are, you know, such fair weather fans that you know they just it's just it's just it's just good to beat them up like that and just you know, literally they could not they couldn't do anything. And it was just it was wild. I mean, I I've been a part of some games. You know, you know where you play, you know, a non power five team. And you do that, but you know those you know in conference games. Any you know those are tough. Those are tough games. You rarely see major, major, major. You know, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a major blowout. It's a twenty-seven point win, but I mean, I think we were like seventeen and a half point underdogs. Um, that's 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 that doesn't happen too often. Um, so no, it was it was awesome. It was a, it was a great feeling. Um, no, it's it's you know celebrating afterwards and celebrating the fans and they're all you know it's just it's it doesn't really compare to anything else i mean going into someone's house and and shutting them up for for 60 minutes and then celebrating and even getting their student section kicked out afterwards i mean that is that is that's tough to beat right there so would that be your favorite colorado memory then oh yeah by, by far i mean i had plenty of good memories you know um growing up playing them you know you know back you know in the early 90s we always played around or uh, around Halloween, you know, we still played, you know, Oklahoma around Thanksgiving time or that end of the year. And then, you know, once the big 12 got settled, you know, that game got switched and, um, you know, there was tough games, you know, they, you know, I've had some very poor memories too. I mean, I go back to 2001 when I'm, you know, a senior in high school and I committed to play Nebraska and we'd were undefeated and then Colorado beats us and they smoke us, whatever, 62 to 30, whatever it was, 40. I mean, they smoked us and we don't get a play for, you know, a big 12 title. And I think they win it, but we still play for the national championship and get, and obviously get, get smoked by Miami. But, uh, no, I mean that, that by far is my favorite memory of, of playing Colorado, that, that game. You know, a lot of people will probably fans, you know, can go back to like 92, 94 playing at home college game. day was there. We were both undefeated. Um, the year Nebraska won a national title. I mean, I think you can go back and look at, 
um, you know, so we've had some game winner, game winning field goals. I know, I think this was 08. I want to say 08 or 09. I can't remember. Alex Henry hit like a 56 yard field goal. And then Sue picks off a pass and, and pile drives their quarterback into the end zone, you know, or, you know right in front of the end zone running it in. And you know, people yeah. remember that game. They said that was the loudest, you know, they've ever heard Memorial Stadium. Um, so there's, there's a lot of great memories, but for me, be playing in that scenario and, and being like they did at home and getting the students, getting the student section kicked out that, uh, that, that takes a cake. That's amazing. I, I hope we have a great atmosphere, uh, this weekend. I think we will. Um, I'm really fascinated to see what Nebraska looks like. Let's talk a little bit about the South Alabama game and kind of your thoughts. Um, we, we, do you want to start with the offense or do you want to start with the defense? Well, we start with the offense. All right, let's talk about the offense. So Adrian uh, was off. Um, I don't know that there's any other way. He just had a bad game. I think it was maybe one of mm-hmm. his worst games. Um, probably his probably worse than Michigan. I would say, given the context around the situation, um, and and they were just off. I mean, the right. the read stuff was off. They couldn't get much push up front on the offensive line. They couldn't run the ball very well until the second half. What were you surprised at all by? Um, South Alabama physically being able to hold up against Nebraska? Oh, yeah. I was very surprised. I mean, South Alabama was like a 3-9 football team the year before. I mean, they've I think football's only been in, around for 10 or 12 years maybe at South Alabama. It's just, you know, it's, it's you know, they, they had, but they had some speed and they played very, very physical and they were athletic and they made plays. And um, I think, I, I, I know, I hope it's, this is a learning lesson. I, I hope the you know they might have the offense might have taken them a little too lightly, you know, to think that you know. I mean, everyone is saying all week this game should be over by the third quarter. You know, you should you know put up fifty some points, blah blah blah, and it just didn't happen. I think you know you there's there's numerous reasons. I mean, Martinez was was sloppy. Um, Cam Jurgens the snap issues um, that throws off those at the timing. I also think. Offensive line had issues because you, they've playing with those five guys. There, there's a trust factor, and you get a comfort level with your offensive line. And you go through camp, and Cam really didn't practice that much during camp because of his of his foot ankle issue. And so you have had AJ Forbes or, or Will Farniak in there playing, and you get used to that. You get used, you get comfortable with that guy, and you get develop a trust. All of a sudden, Cam's named the starter. You know, and all of a sudden, boom, you're thrown in there, and he hasn't played center in a Division One football game in front of 9,000 before, so that's going to be different for him. So all of a sudden, you're two guards that you're next to. It's just you, you don't trust them. Your, your feel and your flow is off. It's, it's weird to say. People probably don't think that, but it's it's true. I mean, even it's weird even as a defensive lineman. When you know I'm a defensive end, and you know I'm used to playing with the starter at a, at a defensive tackle or a three technique, and he's out or an injury or taking a breather and someone else comes in, it's weird. It just, it throws off the, you know, the, the, the feel of the game and almost the trust. Cause you can have, you can develop just communication wise, a, a look or certain things, just a feel, you can have a feel with a certain guy. And I think offensive line, they just didn't have, they don't have that feel with, with cam yet. Um, so, you know, even in, when Will came back in, in the second half, that flow seemed a little better. You know, they get Mo Washington in there, and he gets some good runs and some good good plays. You feel like, ooh, this looks a little better. This looks what it's used, you know, it needs to be like. And you know, and then Adrian has, you know, underthrows the, you know, the pick into what would probably have been triple coverage. I think he was trying to hit Mo Washington, um, but uh, yeah, it was just it was just weird. I think 
I think sometimes it's fortunate that this happened against a team like South Alabama because if this happened against Colorado, you lose. It happens against Illinois, you lose. It happens against Ohio State, you're getting beat by 28, 30 points. You know, who knows what it, what it could be. Um, that's a healthy football team. So I think it's hopefully it's a blessing in disguise, and they'll 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 get this this figured out. Like I said, because you can't play like that and and really beat anyone. Maybe Northern Illinois, but we've we've seen that here in the last couple of years. If you don't perform well, I mean, they'll Northern Illinois will come in here and thump you real quick. Um, they're not intimidated. So yeah, it's it was it was unfortunate. It makes you a little uncomfortable going in this weekend. But I think you know they'll get better. Teams improve from game one to game two. Um, theoretically, and hopefully we'll see a big jump for the offense this week. Mo Berry said on Monday that it, it was it was good for in, in the sense that the offense got to see that they can have an off day and the defense can carry them to a win. The defense matched the offense's point total, fourteen to fourteen. Um, were, were you were you surprised at all by just how well the defense played? And do you think that that that's something that will maybe either give the offense some confidence that when things aren't clicking 100%, the defense can still carry them a lot and play a little bit freer. Yeah. Um, or yeah. do you think that the defense, this this that level of play is sustainable? I don't – I mean, scoring – getting two defensive touchdowns, I don't think that's – you know, and, and getting five turnovers, I mean, that's that's phenomenal. I just don't think that's attainable. You know, I, I mean, takeaways are great. You're getting five, I mean, that's – that's obviously really good. That's just really hard to sustain. I, you know, so I don't, I don't expect them to keep doing that. What I do expect them to do is, is keep playing physical, play better against the run because they did that. Um, even though it's South Alabama, but Nebraska did, at, you know, get five yards a, a carry against them last year, which isn't very good. I mean, that's like it was like 135th in the nation, I think, last year in that in that category. So, you know, I think they held around two. Um, you know, it's just continuing to you know focus on you know the main thing, and that's being lined up correctly and that's playing, you know, your, your techniques and even the opportunity comes to make a play, make it because that's what they did. And that's what they kind of did. I think this, this game in a, in a weird game in years past, you know, they would, you know, maybe Eric Lee does, drops that pick six, you know, maybe Lamar Jackson doesn't misses the sack in the fumble, you know, maybe Cam uh, Taylor misses that sack, you know, goes over top of him where the, the QB scrambles out. So, what I do like from the defense is when, when opportunities are come to make a big play, a tackle for loss, a sack, fumble, a pick six, they did it. Um, so that's, that's big. I think that's that you can build, you can build off of that. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, scoring, you know, getting five turnovers, that'd be phenomenal, you know, but that's just not, that's just not realistic. So they just, they continue to play well, set the edge against the run, um, you know, get the hands on footballs, you know, create some sacks, get around the quarterback. You know, that's you know, they're going to get after Montez this week because they have a really good wide receiver in Chenault, and you saw what he did against us last year. Um, so they're going to have to play even better than I think they played against South Alabama because South Alabama's, you know, offensively compared to CU, it's just Colorado's a better offense. So um, they're going to have to be they're going to be on top of their of their game on uh, on on Saturday. What are you expecting to see on Saturday? Um, I am expecting to see. Yeah, you know. I really do expect the offense to come out and get things figured out. You know, I, you know, I, I think, you know, Nebraska, they should score more points than they did uh, against South Alabama. And granted, the offense only scored 14 points, but I think, you know, they're going to get into the, you know, the upper thirties. I think they can do, I mean, there's zero reason why they, they shouldn't be able to get this thing figured out. I mean, Adrian's too good of a quarterback. Um, you know, 
Dedrick Mills to get things figured out, um, you know, get his vision a little better. Um, still runs runs his tail off. Um, you know, Mo Washington will get things, you know, will be back in the mix again. Um, you know, hope we'll see what Cam's, you know, he, he's going to be better. He's going to be more comfortable, get the snap situation figured out, get the trust with, with his old lineman down. Um, and I think you'll just see offense will, will – I, I, do, I do feel like it'll, it'll be a much different look. You know, I, I don't know if, you know, how, how subdued the game plan was, you know, how simple it was. I mean, it, it could have been really simple, but, um, you know, in this spread up-tempo attack, I mean, the game plans are pretty simple. You've got to keep it pretty simple to go fast. So it's really, you know, you probably see some more exotic looks, but I just think, you know, when you talk about the defense making plays and opportunities when it comes down to the offense, just to do that. I mean, they had a ton of opportunities to do things, and Adrian missed guys, Adrian threw picks, you know, you're talking about fumbles, um, you know, dropping punts, you know, to get the offense back in the, in the, get the ball back to the offense hands. You know, those are, those are opportunities that they just didn't capitalize on where the defense did. So I, I, I expect to see good football. I expect to see Nebraska win. Um, I know I predicted on uh, big red wrap up on Tuesday night. My score was 38, 24. I know some people looked at me crazy because I think the line is really close and the analytics have like Colorado, maybe by one or two, but uh, I, I think, you know, going on the road, you know, that first game, or your first game of the road, you know, guys can focus. Sometimes it's been weird. Nebraska has been has played poorly, you know, at home for some 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 reasons here the last it feels like about damn near a decade. They just struggle sometimes playing well at home, and they get on the road and they just kind of can forget things and 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 just focus on football, not family and tickets and you know the crowds and all that stuff. So I mean, there's hopefully twenty five thousand people there supporting them from, with red on, but uh, I expect Nebraska to come out and, and play. And play really well offensively, and and do and do enough defensively to to win this game. I'm with you, man. I think this has fun, exciting back and forth, uh, real close in the fourth quarter potential. But I also think this has Nebraska exploding on offense potential. I think Adrian is going to be mad, and I think Colorado is going to have to deal with that. So I'm really curious what this looks like. Jay, I know you probably got some stuff to do. Thanks for uh, for giving us some time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let me know. I'd be happy to hop on again. And it was it was fun chatting with you, Derek. Yeah, we'll bring you back on here pretty soon. Thanks, man. That's it for the podcast this week. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. I think you just follow on SoundCloud. So do that wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week with another podcast. We will have coverage all throughout the weekend on HailVarsity.com, the greatest website in the world. So you got to bookmark it. Uh, Jacob Padilla tells you to do that all the time. And if you haven't listened to him yet, you should probably bookmark it. Uh, shout out to Jay Moore for coming on the podcast. Shout out to Brian for coming on the podcast. And of course, Greg Smith, uh, for talking about the kickering this week. It was, uh, it's, it's Barrett does the kickering and it's Dylan the fill-in. Those are the, the two puns that make Aaron Sorensen's heart happy. We'll be back next week, guys. Thank you.